electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, coming to you live from different locations. Uh, This hour, Morgan Stanley's James Gorman and Verizon's Hans Vestberg. As futures are steady, Philly Fed, lowest since 1980. Housing starts down 22. Initial claims, 5.2 million, which is down slightly from last week, guys, but it does bring the total to 22 million in the past four weeks, and that essentially wipes out all of the jobs that have been created since the financial crisis. Uh, Jim, we we know the data is uh, it was going to be bad and will continue to be bad because this is reflecting uh, periods that um, aren't April, and we know April will be even worse. Right. This is uh, these are daunting, uh, historic. Uh, we look at them. We must think about what was happening, say in. Uh, in 1930, 1931, uh, where you realize that the system may hold, may not hold. I think we're in a stronger position, obviously, than them because they didn't have any sort of social safety net. But uh, these kinds of layoffs are uh, they're extraordinary, and we are at a loss for words for them. Uh, obviously, all these people are now in some way or another getting compensated this week, uh, but I think it's not enough, and I keep thinking that the longer we don't have uh, – and it's not opening America or closing America. The longer we don't have any faith in being with each other and, and worrying about congregating, you're just going to have to keep seeing these numbers. Uh, David, I've got to tell you, I, I am I was hoping I'd never see anything like this in my life. It's happening. And there right now it is no sign that it's really going to change. No, the numbers are staggering. Uh, we've we brace for them, but. They still take your breath away when right. you hear Carl say something right. or you talking about, you know, the, the likes of which we've simply never seen, certainly not in our lifetimes. Uh, Jim, that said, there is still this focus on trying to get back to business, so to speak. However, haltingly, that may happen. The president obviously holding up calls yesterday with a lot of corporate executives in terms of trying to understand how to reopen. It's very much unclear at this point that there is really a plan what that plan would encompass for various parts of the country. Jim, as you point out, though, not good news, but at least we do know that there are loans going to lots of small businesses. However difficult that has been to get the money to them. Right. Uh, And, of course, you heard McCarthy talking about, you know, getting more because they're running out. And we know that unemployment benefits are, at least for now, quite high. Uh, So, again, not good news in any way, but at least helping to soften or cushion the blow. No, definitely. Look, the unemployment, uh, the, the unemployment insurance is the greatest thing. That's what keeps it from being 30, 31, 32. Uh, it, in many ways, the complication for the program, the Paycheck uh, program was that, and is that the unemployment insurance claims are high. You get more. You get more if you, if you leave, if you think you're, fi- you know, if you're fired, if your company closes. And that's been a continual problem. But you know what? People are getting money in their pockets. Uh, they're going to keep getting money in their pockets. Carl, this is just going to last for a long time until every single person can be tested every day that they want. 
And when they do, and hopefully the people who are sick stay home, then it lessens the odds of your dying. And I'm no longer, I'm no longer saying getting sick. I mean, when you have a 9% mortality rate like we had in New York yesterday, it's, well, that lessens, you just want to lessen the chance that you're dying. Now, you don't want to think that, well, if I go to the movies, there's a, well, how's the chance I'm going to die? We got to get dying off the table. I am not being too grisly. Uh, but that mortality rate yesterday, it was so, that was genuinely contagion. That was the Larry Brilliant movie, the man who vanquished smallpox. These are numbers that are very bad. They're not the stand where it was 99.7%. But, you know, we can't have that many people die by going out. Yeah. It does feel, Jim, like uh, companies are starting to take testing into their own hands. I noticed Emirates uh, doing testing with the Dubai Health Authority for all passengers leaving uh, out of their terminal uh, in Dubai. Um, you have Amazon, Bezos' letter today, saying they're working on testing their own employees, whether they're symptomatic or not. And then Larry Fink on Squawk Box this morning talking about businesses and to the, the degree to which they're going to be cautious. Take a listen. Every business is going to be very cautious. They want to be protective of their employees. They want to make sure if their employees feel good about coming back to the office. Uh, Let's be clear, anxiety is still very high, uh, and we hope we have the ability to reboot, but in doing so, and I know many leaders told the president yesterday, we need to have adequate testing to make sure that we have a secured environment. Uh, David, maybe uh, when we talk to James Gorman later this hour, he can tell us maybe a little bit more about that phone call with the White House. It sounds like testing was a major topic of discussion. It was. And in fact, Hans Vestberg, also a participant as well. And he will be joining us, of course, uh, shortly, uh, the CEO of Verizon. And we will uh, I will certainly ask him as well, guys, about that call. The question, Jim, continues to be testing. I, you know, we, we want to talk about business. We want right. to talk about the economy. But it, in, is it, inextric- it is inextricably linked, it would seem. And given what we're hearing from all these CEOs who are on the call, potentially, who talked to the president about it, with testing. You can't open the economy without it, but there's without good it news. being available. There's and good I mean, news. There's, yeah. good, there's good news that somehow continually gets misreported. Abbott Labs, they reported today. Abbott Labs has the test. They have it. Uh, we just got to get a little more widespread. They're going to have a they're going to have a serology test that, that's going for millions of people where you're going to look at your blood and see whether you had it or not. Now, their naysayers really said, well, listen, that means nothing. I'm not buying into that. If you already have it, it's like a cold. You don't get a cold immediately after that. I know it's not like a cold. Colds don't kill you, please. Everybody jumps to every conclusion. But we have a, a saliva test. We have swab tests. We have tests that are happening. We need three weeks. We just need three weeks. And then you're going to have millions of people being tested. Uh, when we get the at-home test, we absolutely want to have America open for it. Until then, you can do a lot of great planning about what happens when everybody has the Abbott test. But Abbott has the test. It's a company. It's really good. It's making the test. We don't <laughs> seem to think that it's doing a good job. If you use the test wrong, you do get too many false positives. Someone said that on air this morning. If you use the test right, you don't. It's a really, really good test. This is the the now 5 to 15-minute test works and the serology test, which is going to happen next week. So, you know what? Let, let's stop saying testing, 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 and let's start saying Abbott, Abbott, Abbott. They've got it. If they've got it. They're really good. Yep. They've got it. No, it's, it's just a matter of uh, distribution now. Yes. Meg Terrell this morning reporting $4 million this month, uh, a $20 million run rate starting next month. 
Uh, meanwhile, a co-diagnostics, Jim, a new saliva test, which uh, is easier to use than swabs. But y- your point is exactly right. And Germany, which is going to start to reopen their economy on Monday, is doing that largely because they started wide-scale testing in right. January. It's going to happen. I mean, we can. the testing, testing, testing has been answered. It's been answered by Abbott Labs. They do a great job. And uh, the, the people who were behind were the Quest Diagnostics and the LabCorp. They never were ready for this kind of surge. Uh, I had bioreference labs earlier this week. They're, they're, uh, they're ready for it. But I, I think that we have to accept the fact that no one thought that you would have to have worldwide or, look, nationwide blood testing every day uh, six weeks ago. We just didn't think it. And hate them or like them, it wasn't really the president's fault. It just wasn't. I mean, well. who knew this? Jim, I mean, Jim, seven weeks ago, Secretary Azar was talking about doing a million tests, I think, a week. I don't think we're there yet. Or if we no, are, I'm, we just got there. No, but I mean, I'm saying come on. Abbott had to develop it. You, you can't just they're working 24. I'm saying that the private sector answered the call. Uh, J&J, Abbott. But it's like they weren't geared up because they, they weren't thinking about it. They were thinking about what their business was. And I'm saying that if the president had called Abbott Labs and said, you need to do this, it wouldn't be any different than Abbott Labs just saying that they're going to do it because Miles White was a great CEO. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying it was harder to do than we thought. It was harder to do. The Um, tests were harder to make because it's a really complex, horrible disease. And to make sure that they're accurate. By the way, they're going to be with us for a long time, conceivably. It's not as though you're going to get tested once. You may have to be tested. Who knows? Abbott's going to have an Uh, at-home test, and we're going to get tested every single morning before we go to work. The question is, are you going to be honest? I mean, look, in communist China, you're tested. You know, see you later. Here, I mean, you're tested if you're not wealthy. Uh, You go to work anyway because you're afraid of losing your paycheck. But we will have at-home pregnancy tests in a couple of months. That's what they call them is a kind of an analogy. And that's going to change a lot. So let's not get too, too down. I think the other side of it is, well, if you do get it, we still haven't seemed to answer how to get out of the hospital quickly. And that's the, that's the existential part that I think bothers many of us. Barry Diller was the first person who talked about it on air, basically just talking about the rush from yeah, life. But, yeah, Jim. Uh, D- right. Diller got to the the more uh, maybe disturbing aspect, oh. which is the second order effects. I mean, you got three waves of bad news, as, as Tom Lee has said this week. You had the, the COVID peak, then you had initial layoffs, which we talk about with claims, and then you'll have the impact on uh, landlords and uh, people who are owed money and people who are leveraged to advertising, which, in Diller's words, uh, you're talking about 80% decline in advertising out of Expedia. What does that mean for Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and Google? I thought that was unbelievable. He was talking about $5 billion in advertising going to nothing. I mean, I think people have to listen. Every executive has to listen to what Barry Diller said this morning. Because Barry Diller did not say, you know what, we have to cut back a little bit. And he didn't say, yeah, it could damage us. He basically just said, look, as he said it, full stop, Andrew. I mean, it was an incredibly uh, sobering interview. I think a lot of us wish we had had it a couple of weeks ago. But at least we had a big bounce up in the market. But what he just said is some industries are done. It's why I keep saying that an index fund is not going to work for you, because many of the industries that are done, so to speak, are in the index. And Barry Diller just basically told you, look, here's this great thriving industry. And it ended. Uh, And I I think he was worth listening to simply because he doesn't play for dinner. He did not. He's not lawyered. He just says it. Wow. I mean, it was chilling. But he said it. But. But. Yeah, we, we've talked about ads being down dramatically, potentially. Right. doesn't mean that Facebook and Google are not going to thrive, guys. But uh, you see the CNN ways. piece and they today? They continue to be. 
Yeah, See, but I mean, you know, the, the, it's the secular, the, everybody's crowding into these secular growth names. That still includes Google and Facebook, obviously Amazon and the like. Right. Jim, it, it's, you know, it's... But Roku It's spare, more those David. companies that are relying Roku. on people coming together that I think are... But, yeah, Roku. But Roku no problem is the there. blue chip of our era, David. Roku. We are going to talk with uh, Verizon's Hans Vesperg uh, after a short break, and we'll get to some of these calls on Netflix, for example, as Goldman goes to a street high 490. Back in a minute. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Verizon this morning announcing a deal uh, under which it will be acquiring Blue Jeans Network. That is an enterprise-grade video conferencing and event platform, perhaps a well-timed acquisition. Price tag uh, not announced, although hearing it perhaps is in around the $400 million range. Let's bring in Hans Vestberg, the company's CEO, uh, who uh, joined us about three weeks ago, of course, to talk about the ever-evolving landscape in terms of our economy. Uh, Hans, always good to have you. Um, and let me start off with this morning's acquisition. Um, was it something you had planned previous to the crisis, or is it a result of the crisis? We actually started to have a conversation with Blue Jeans uh, for almost one year ago. As we saw our customers uh, going on this uh, digital transformation and uh, digital journey. And as you know, our Verizon business group is serving 98% of the Fortune 500. So in those discussions, uh, of course, in enterprise-grade uh, video conferencing come up all the time. Since then, we have been testing, uh, of course, the system uh, both from security and from uh, features and functionality. And we actually started selling it to our customers in the Q4 last year. So. And then we continued that discussion and uh, uh, we came to a conclusion that it was even better for us to acquire it. And of course, with this uh, COVID-19, it's been accentuated, but this was very much part of our strategy of Verizon Business Group. It was part of our strategy to actually have bolt-on acquisition in our business group. As well, it was also part right. of our 5G strategy because ultimately video conferencing and video will be enormously important in 5G. Sure. Uh, fully understood. Now, of course, the importance of this business has only been, well, magnified uh, tenfold, it would seem, in these last few weeks, Hans. And will be with us even when, conceivably, we do go back to work, the importance of being able to video conference. Are you planning on ramping up the, the business quickly? Are you going to be uh, investing? You know, are you going to be able to compete right off the bat with the likes of WebEx or Zoom or Microsoft Teams and its video ability? No, the product is is ordered. They're really good. I mean, or, I mean, they have a broad array of customers. Almost fifteen thousand customers already, uh, and of course, uh, some of our customers are already using it. So yes, we we will be able to as soon as they're closing this, uh, we will be able to offer this to all our customers, and we will go give them the choices, of course. But uh, we see that Blue Jeans is a really good product, uh, feature rich, and all of that, and we're going to build it into our universal communication suite. So it's going to be very easy for our customer to integrate it. Um, yeah, speaking, of course, of where we find ourselves right now in terms of your customers uh, and the world, um, 
Three weeks ago, you were talking about the fact that actually Verizon had increased CapEx. Um, are you still on that mode, Hans? Have you pulled back at all at Verizon in terms of, uh, of spending money, essentially, given what we've seen right now? No, we, we are on the same path. We, 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 of course, are attending these crises both for a safe and healthy for our employees. But at the same time, we understand how important our networks are. So we, we still have some 20,000 people in the front line uh, seeing that the networks are up. And as I have reported so many times, the surge of data and, and the video from home and VPN gaming has been enormous. Now it has flattened out, but we have managed that with a very robust network. So we actually are doing a job that is extremely important for the country. So we're continuing to invest. And, and this, of course, is a proof point that we also make acquisition in these times. And we think it's important for the companies like ours that we continue to, to keep this uh, country going with the, the broadband and the mobility. Hans, Jim, always good to see him. Great to see Verizon doing so hey, good. Jim. Best stock, unbelievable stock. We still care about that, not just about COVID. But I did want to ask you something. Blue Jeans has been around. I've been around for 11 years. Uh, I know initially they were uh, a bridge between different video systems, early cloud play. But what I'm trying to figure out is where will they fit in against Zoom? Eric Yuan is just he's a dynamic figure. I know they had security problems, but you also have to admit they have taken America by storm. And then WebEx has the enterprise. Cisco does such a good job. Where can this company fit in in the equation? As a, first of all, Blue Jeans already have a customer base of 15,000 customers, all the way from small and medium to some really large enterprises. We're going to see that, first of all, we're going to continue to support them 100%. Then, of course, we see an opportunity with our distribution channel. Remember, what we have, we have the, the best network, the best distribution channel, and I have to say, a very great brand. That's our core co- competitive advantages. And, of course, if when we bring in Blue Jeans to us, that's open up new opportunities that Blue Jeans didn't have before. Uh, and then on top of that, I can build it into our 5G product that will be enabled with video over time because so much of the low latency, the throughput and the speeds is needed to have this on the edge and video offering on the edge. So I see this as both as something we can do right now, but definitely something we're also spinning for the future. And Hans, I, I got, you must feel like I did. And yesterday I was on all the different bank conference calls. Goldman Sachs said something. Almost every single person who work at Goldman Sachs works at home. Almost every single person. This happened overnight. Yes. Bank of America, Correct. the same. I mean, if you don't appeal to these people, you're going to lose some big business. The, the world has changed in the last six weeks, hasn't it, sir? We're not going to work in the same place that we did six weeks ago. No, we're going to have a new normal. I think the usage of these tools that we now have is so uh, successfully deployed in this country. And we work with all these banks that basically have all their traders, everyone working from home. That has gone seamless in this country. And I have to say uh, that also a tribute to how this uh, country has set up the rules and regulation for investments for companies like Verizon. We can... We have spent between 17 to 18 billion US dollars in a network the last four or five years. That is paying off right now. You cannot fix this when this happens. And that's why we are handling it so well in this crisis with the broadband, the mobility networks are keeping up, uh, even though we see this surge of data. So I'm proud of my engineers. I'm proud of what they have done and they still are doing. They are out there in the front line every day to see that these networks are continue to hum and have high quality. Hans, I know you were on the call yesterday uh, with the president, along with uh, many other uh, leaders of various businesses around the country. Um, 
when it comes to this question that was apparently being explored of how to open up the economy, uh, how quickly to do so, given your viewpoint and the fact that you have employees all over the country, what is your sense here in terms of our ability to get back to work? And what, if anything, came out of that call yesterday? I think that everyone, all the large uh, corporation, uh, wants to open the economy as soon as possible. Uh, but on the other hand, we also understand the, 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 the most important is the safe and healthy of the citizens of the United States or, or for our employees. That's the number one. So I think the conversation was a lot about what corporations are doing, where they see progress uh, and the initiatives they're doing. Like us in Verizon, we haven't closed. We need to keep it up, but still keep the safe and healthy for our employees. And I think that gradual or staggered way of coming back to the economy will be important. Then it's, of course, very different for different industries. I mean, uh, the airline industry is very different from the telecom industry. So it has to be a, a staggered uh, coming back to the economy, uh, both geographically, but also industry-wide. But I think that it's clear that everyone wants to get back as soon as possible, but only uh, when you can, can have the safe and healthy of the citizens and, and our own employees. Right. You mentioned safety, of course, and it's our, our understanding that testing did come up often during that call. Is that the case? Were a lot of other CEOs or perhaps you as well saying, hey, we need more testing before we can open up this economy? I think that was uh, sort of a discussion what will be needed for coming back 100 percent, that testing is important. Vaccine is important over time. So a lot about around that, how that can scale quicker. And I was on the call with the pharmaceutical CEOs. Of course, they talked about what they're doing and where they are in both testing and vaccine and all of that. So I think, uh, again, it, it was a call to be sharing uh, what different industries are doing in order to make this and uh, what the private sector need to do in order to help this uh, coming back uh, to a new normal in this economy. Hey, Hans, it's Carl. Uh, there are a lot of uh, conspiracy theories around the world about the relationship between 5G and the virus. I just wonder, can you comment on some of those uh, as crazy as they may sound? And is there political risk to 5G embedded in that? It, it, there's no correlation at all between 5G and coronavirus. It, it's, it's just fake news. Uh, we have seen some of those uh, articles coming out here and there, but it, we, we just need to be very clear that, that there's no correlation uh, in between the two. And, uh, and we're going to combat that with our communication and the industry's communication and with health organizations' communication. Hans, uh, I asked you three weeks ago what you were seeing from your customer base, uh, you know, in terms of churn, in terms of inability to pay. Um, you said it was too early. Uh, what are you seeing now three weeks later? It's still too early because I have an earnings call next week, so I need to wait until I comment. But uh, again, uh, what I've said all the time before, we have seen areas where we have surged, where, of course, a lot of enterprises are need to move their traffic uh, to home, etc. On the other hand, we have an unemployment uh, that we've never seen in this country. Of course, that is impacting people to be able to pay. On the other hand, we already have Keep America Connected as a, uh, as a principle, meaning that we're not disconnecting any residential or SMB for late payments or anything like this. And I think that's the right thing to do in this time. It's an unprecedented time. It's a crisis that doesn't have a playbook, but you need to think about the society and your customers in this as well. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's a question that I would typically ask you, not just not uh, in another time, which is since you last came on, T-Mobile and Sprint finally uh, finalized their deal. They are now one company, apparently going to be competing rather hard in 5G. There are those who continue to say your reliance on millimeter wave spectrum for your 5G uh, is not going to cut it, Hans, and that they are in a much better spectrum position at T-Mobile. Uh, how do you respond to those criticisms and how do you see the competition um, evolving now that there are three big players in the U.S.? First of all, it's no surprise. It has been in the works for two years, so it's no surprise that they came together. Uh, I think that we, we feel really good about our assets. Uh, I, I just uh, want to remind you of what we have said. This year, we're basically going to go do five times more 5G radio-based stations. Number two, we, we're going to have more than 60 cities covered in a millimeter way. We're also going to do national coverage this year. So I feel that we are in a very, very good spot with 5G. Remember, we were first with 5G home. We were first with the 5G mobile uh, mobility smartphone. We were first with the 5G mobile edge compute. I think my team is just doing an enormous job and we are not going to let that lead to fail. So uh, we are just right. going to continue to execute. And you heard about what we do with the, with the CAPEX. So I, I, I feel good about what our team is doing. Competition is always going to be and there. Finally, and finally, going to be in there. In terms of the 5G cycle, in terms of the 5G cycle itself, Hans, though, has it been slowed down because of, of what's going on? I mean, you've got a lot of your stores closed. I assume people can still buy phones online. But is the cycle itself been thrown off uh, because of the virus? Of course, you see a slowdown on 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 the, when you only have 30% of our own stores open, uh, and we serve basically critical needs only. So that that you can say. I don't think they take anything away from a 5G cycle that is so exciting, and many people really uh, would like to have it. And remember, it's business cases for enterprises, for society, for home broadband, and for mobility. So there are many different constituencies that will use our 5G uh, as it's rolling out right now. Hans, always appreciate your joining us. Uh, Hans Vesberg, the CEO of Verizon, which today announced its uh, acquisition or definitive agreement to acquire uh, the uh, conferencing company Blue Jeans Network. Thank you, Hans. All right, guys. Um, looks like we're going to get the opening bell here uh, in a couple of minutes, uh, and we'll uh, look forward to our next interview with uh, James Gorman, Jim, who, um, according to the headlines on the conference call, uh, addressed a number of questions about margin calls, trading activity, uh, the degree to which his peers may or may not uh, delay their financial targets, which is clearly in focus for Morgan Stanley. Yeah, look, I think that Morgan Stanley's got a different model. I think that how many times is, does James Gorman have to do things that says, listen, I am not one of these big banks that could get you in trouble, and yet it still trades with the others. Maybe today could be a, a deciding point. Maybe when people realize when they combine with the E-Trade, it's going to look different. So far, it's just one and the same. It's just a, a basket of corn, and it's got to get separate, and that's what I think he's trying to do. Oh, interesting. Oil's the other uh, interesting uh, dynamic today, Jim. As we know, uh, going into the teens yesterday, Bloomberg's got a piece up this morning that says the U.S. is considering a plan in which they would pay U.S. producers not to extract the crude, leave it in the ground uh, and deliver at some later date. That's sort of where we are. Yeah, I, I had Matt Gallagher on yesterday. He's one of the largest producers in the Permian, uh, and that's parts of the energy. And he was saying that's a cheap way to be able to save hundreds of thousands of jobs. It may be the cheapest way. Uh, and uh, he said it should certainly be on the table. I don't know whether the president 
is going to go forward with that, but that is a very quick way to be able to at least save 300,000 jobs. Some green. Always good to see some green. Yeah, uh, filling in a Absolutely. bit here, Jim. Um, we should take uh, we should take note. Uh, Amazon's going to remain a story all week long. Uh, Bezos' shareholder letter is out. Talks about uh, boosting wages, cracking down on price gouging, worker safety, collaborating, Jim, with uh, the WHO. Um, uh, and also uh, the journal with uh, some tidbits about how Amazon, because their traffic is already uh, so monumental, they've started to take the uh, pedal off uh, the gas in terms of advertising on Google and price promotion because they're trying to limit the orders to, uh, to uh, goods that people actually need, uh, not, uh, uh, not this goods that you don't necessarily need right away. Has Amazon not become a country during this period? It's putting a lot of people to work. It's got uh, far-flung into many different uh, businesses. It's got social policy. It's uh, international diplomacy with France. I mean, I find that this is one, not only did Alphabet uh, uh, become a casualty of this, I think, but Amazon's become a huge beneficiary of this period. I mentioned Alphabet just because they said yesterday they're slowing down their hiring. Amazon increasing their hiring. Uh, Amazon is, is, it's either the grim reaper for everyone or the greatest thing that's ever happened to the American consumer, and, or maybe both. Maybe both. It's uh, funny. It's the way the people letter, have talked about Walmart. They've hired more yeah. Sorry, Americans Carl, in the last 10 years than any other business. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're a juggernaut that just wipes out everybody. I mean, you know, David, remember, David, the best interview you've done? Not that you haven't done many. That are great. But the Death Star, Whenever, when, when Malone said it, it crystallized everything to me yeah. because what it says is if Amazon is like China, when China used to concentrate, when my father sold gift wrap, China decided we're going to target that industry and they wiped out the gift wrap industry. Amazon is like that. They're going to, they can target an industry and they can basically, like, look what they're doing to the drugstores. I mean, there isn't anything now that you buy where it doesn't tell you you can have a subscription to it and you never have to think about it again. And I just to me, I said, OK, fine, I'll take a subscription. I mean, these are things I used to go to Walgreens for all the time. Now, I, I you know, you can't pay me to go to Walgreens. No, uh, Amazon. It's funny. We talk about Amazon now and we have for some time, but even more so in, in the last five, six weeks as we once did a decade or more ago about Walmart, which continues to be the largest single employer, private employer, I believe, in the country. But Amazon quickly climbing those ranks. You know, um, we have also, though, been talking about the advertising business. And I don't want people to misinterpret some things I said earlier. I mean, Facebook and Google and Amazon, all of which, of course, rely on advertising, Amazon less so in its advertising business, but it's very high margin. Those numbers are going to be down sharply. Yes. And you just pointed out, of course, Carl did, that Amazon is buying fewer ads on the Google platform. Uh, it's good. CPMs are going to be down across the board big time. There's no doubt about that. We'll see what it means for the financial performance of these companies. But, Jim, there are also people who look at the Google decision to hire uh, fewer people to slow their rate of growth and go back to the 08-09 period where they also cut operating expenses and obviously benefited a lot at the time from having done so. Right. Uh, I said last night to close of Mad Money that don't necessarily think that it's bad for Alphabet for the stock that they're not hiring or that they're slowing down the hiring because they've spent way too much 
And a lot of people feel they haven't given you a good return. And we want Google Cloud's services to get more people. But the rest of it's not clear. At the same time, though, I mean, Barry Diller did kind of crystallize what's really going on, which is that when you, you you're not. I mean, I, I was thinking about going to see my daughter in Madrid. Um, I know. Yeah. I mean, whoever thinks that that's something you would ever do. But she's in Madrid. And I was looking up, uh, Embers has a flight where they basically take your temperature and do this and that. You go through, a, you, you can go through UAE. And I'm thinking, that this is ridiculous. Where's the five ads about the flight to Madrid? They're all gone. There's like no ads for flights. Frontier, which went, uh, went belly up, they had a, what, a one cent round trip to California thing? I mean, I'm not kidding. If you look at the ads, if you want to try to go somewhere, yeah. forget it. That whole industry is just on hold, full stop. It is on hold. Well, and to your point, UAL this morning uh, saying for May they're going to cut 90% of their flights, Carl. I think I saw that properly, 90%. Can you, I mean, hard to imagine, but a lot fewer planes are going to be in the air for quite some time. And the question of the bailout already yesterday, fast forwarding to the fall, uh, you guys had, of course, uh, Doug on Doug Parker on yesterday, but you know, will there have to be another bailout for the airlines come the fall? Because yeah. how quickly can things rebound when you're at ninety percent? When you've cut ninety percent of your of your flights? Yeah, I, I have a group the, of young people who this. Rhetoric- Mad I'm sorry, but we we I said to our Mad Money team no, yesterday, I said, let's go to California, and they looked at me like I was like, well, let let's just go sit in the electric bleachers. Yeah, the line out of Munoz, Jim and David, is amazing. We expect to fly fewer people during the entire month of May than we did on a single day in May of 2019. Uh, David mentions the 90% cut to the schedule. They're warning of possible job cuts. Cowan's got a a report out today, guys, where they don't see, in their words, a robust return to air travel for at least three to five years. And now there's so many uh, assumptions in there, too, Jim. If we we got wide-scale vaccines in 18 months, uh, you know, that, that model would likely change dramatically, but that's what they have to go with for well, now. I just want the test. I mean, you, you just have a test. You go 15 minutes early, uh, you get the test, and if, you're, uh, you, if you have it, and even if you're asymptomatic, you have it, then you can't go. And uh, I want the planes to have ultraviolet light, which does kill it. I want them to be wiped down, and I'm ready to travel. I, I'm not kidding. I'm ready you to are, travel. Really? Yes, I am. Absolutely. Yeah. What's this, I absolutely what's, what is all what are all these tests? What, wait, wait, what Jim, is, you just said it, you didn't want to go to Walgreens. Well, that's different. Yeah. I don't want to go to Walgreens because I don't like Walgreens. I mean, why do I have to go to Walgreens? <laughs> I mean, I can check everything comes to my house now. I got to go to Walgreens. Get I got to go look at all the things I don't want. I got to go pick the there's the edge. Sh- I'm in there for the edge shaving cream. There's something I got to unlock something in order to be able to get the blades and call that person over. And no. I put Amazon. It comes out. No, Dave, come on. Have you ever been to a, to a drugstore? You know that everything's under plastic now, and you got to say, hey, there's nobody there. Yeah, and like, no. help me, help me. I want to buy blades for $48 with plastic that is going to yeah, end up no, in the Pacific. No, thank you. We all, went, we all went to the blades getting delivered to your home thing a number of years ago. But now I'm getting everything many delivered. Of us did because of that. Everything um, I'm getting yeah, delivered. Yeah, no, I get it. But, Jim, you know, you keep mentioning testing. You keep mentioning Abbott and the Why ability not? to do tests very quickly. And everybody's going to do it. And maybe before you go into an office building and yeah. before you certainly go to a sporting event or right. if Disney ever opens the parks again. What's that all going to cost? A lot. Um, but it, it doesn't matter. It's the new kind of maybe everything else goes down in price. I mean, maybe everybody else has to make less money. 
Maybe a, a, a maybe a hotel room at, at uh, the mat in the Magic Kingdom is going to cost fifty nine dollars a night. I don't know. It's going to make it up somewhere. But boy, won't you feel great knowing that everybody's been tested who's around you and there's no w- people without it without a doubt. Well, that's what's going to change. Without a doubt, but, that's what's you know, going to happen. In some ways, you wonder whether this current the period that's coming is going to be inflationary. Not to mention all the money that's been added, of course, and the, what the Fed is doing. Or you're pointing out maybe deflationary. I, I don't know. I, think I mean, how are you going to do it in a restaurant when you're half full? When you're half full in your restaurant, because that's all you can actually be, are you going to double prices? What are you going to do? Oh, geez, you were at my house last night? I mean, this is what we we're talking about. We we're trying to figure out if we can only have half the number of people at a restaurant, can we charge twice? I mean, can we charge $12 for a, for a Modelo? Uh, and I yeah. don't know how we can get away with it, but we have to in order to be able to get to it's the profitability that we had. This is why we asked uh, Doug Parker yesterday what, what break-even load factor is on a plane if you take out the middle seat. You know, I mean, at a concert, right. at a Broadway show, oh. at a restaurant, Jim, as, as you know better than most, uh, yeah, the, the pricing dynamics with limited capacity are a huge question, which brings us kind of to Kevin Johnson's uh, letter to employees this morning, Jim, uh, uh, CEO of Starbucks, talking about looking at ways in which they can open some stores in the United States with that China playbook already in their pocket. Their China playbook is so good. That's why I'm telling people to buy this from my charitable trust. Uh, The fact is, is that their business is very good in China and they're going to be able to come back quickly. I think that part and parcel with this is who's got the balance sheet. Does the little coffee shop have the balance sheet to go against Starbucks? Uh, Does anyone have the ability to go up against, say, a... uh, I don't know, at Darden. I mean, I find it really unnerving to realize that I love to go to Le Bernardin with, with, with uh, this nice restaurant that David and I have gone to. Uh, I go there for my anniversary with my wife. The tables are packed. It's very expensive. If you take out half those tables, I mention this because it's probably one of the most popular, unless maybe the most popular restaurant in New York. If you take out half those tables, I don't know how much they can make. I don't know, David, you've been there. How do you make money at that place? If you're going to charge 10, it'll be $2,000 a plate. And I can't wait to go back. That said, they do separate us because we make so much noise, Jim. And we are pretty far away from everybody. Um, I forgot we were practicing. We were practicing physical (laughs) distancing because you're so loud. I'm so loud. Yeah, right. Uh huh. That's uh-huh. yeah. I'm sure everybody believes that one. But you're, listen, your point's a good one. Everything is going. So many things are going to change. Yeah, we have at to least initially prior to there being wa- a widespread vaccine or this thing finally being eradicated. But, okay, but let me uh, ask and, you guys a question. It, it, we well, don't know the answers. Carl, you go to Costco, right? Yes. Okay, so Costco increased its dividend last night, seven percent. Really big increase. You go to Costco, they now have physical separation. You have to, there's a line, they have a racetrack that you have to go. I, Costco's got the lowest prices, but I feel great about that. I feel great because in the absence of the, of the blood test, at least I know that Costco has got everything under control for me and it's not fearful. When I go into a little store, I worry that there's too many people close to me. And, I'm, and now I'm sure there's people out west who say, Kramer, you should, why don't you wear a rubber suit? All the stuff that we've been attacked for when we, we talk about it. But I, I listen to Fauci. He wants distancing. Even the president's got some distancing with those chairs. And I just say I want to go to Costco because they abide by it. And I think that dividend increase is part and parcel about why they're going to make a lot of money, because people want to go to a safe store until we can test. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three big div hikes, as you point out, Jim. J&J. Ooh. 
uh, Procter and Costco uh, there, all this week. There's your it was interesting list. to hear. I don't know. Did you listen to? Did you hear Fauci on Snapchat talking about how Major League Baseball and the NFL could salvage a season uh, with uh, stadiums that are empty? You put the players yeah. in a hotel. They can't <laughs> go anywhere. They're tested every day. And now the Washington Post says that the NFL is considering some contingency plans that include maybe playing to an empty stadium or one that's half full. There's a plan that I know of where apparently where they play starting Thanksgiving uh, and you would play each uh, team in your division uh, and they would have a limited number of people would go. I hope they don't jack up the price too much for those. But, yeah, it, it's they're not going to try to miss that season. They got to continue have continuity and they have to have continuity of play, though. And what I would concern is that, I mean, look, I understand baseball. It's not you could just tag your it or something. But football is very hard to have no to have social distancing while you're while you're driving a guy into the ground. I, mean, I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> Any ideas? I would ask Fauci. No, he was a point I guard. I know. Right. Fauci was a good point guard. Yeah. Apparently. What was his numbers? I don't he, know what his it, numbers were. He looks pretty he good, good for, for 79 years old. I mean, he, he ran the pretty, Marine Marathon. Pretty darn good. Did he? I mean, the guy yeah. is amazing. You got to hand it to the guy. I yeah. mean, he, he makes us all of us five, seven people feel great. <laughs> Amen. Um, uh, you know, when it comes to sports, guys. Yeah. Uh, Jim, right. I think you've got a, got a special guest for us. Go yeah, take it we got to treat one of the guys who actually uh, had COVID, came right back, didn't talk about it other than to say he's back and, uh, and doing a good job. And that's what he is. This is on the phone is Morgan Stanley's chairman, CEO, James Gorman. James, congratulations on uh, going through an illness and also putting up a good quarter at the same time. Well, thank you, Jim. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting couple of months. But, uh, you know, I was uh, one of the fortunate people who was not uh, hospitalized or in, in serious danger. And my heart just goes out to those folks uh, and their families and, you know, the tremendous tragedy that so many people have gone through. Well, let's talk about what's happening in this industry. You have done, worked mightily to make it so that you are asset light. You're even making a terrific acquisition of a company that is a different kind of, that's a customer-facing uh, interface that is terrific and dovetails with absolutely no loss of clients that I can believe with you guys. And yet, at the same time, I've watched your stock trade as if it is just another bank once again. I don't know what, what can you do? Your characteristics, E-Trade's characteristics are very different from the cohort that you're in. Well, I think, you know, I think that's a, <laughs> that's a great observation, one I make to myself and pretty much anybody who listened to me many, many times a day. Uh, you know, we think we've uh, radically change the profile of this company, the risk profile. I think you just saw that in the earnings. We generated, um, you know, ROEs of 8.5%, uh, ROTCs over 9%. So, you know, really solid quarter given the environment. And, you know, and that's before we have E-Trade. I mean, <clears throat> I think E-Trade just further stabilizes the organization, um, gives us more uh, power in the wealth management side and brings incredible technology. So, you know, in time, listen, the market, the market will adjust. We just need to see, uh, get through this crisis. Obviously, we came through the 08 crisis. That was scary. Uh, this is completely different. The firm is in really strong financial health. And I think the market wants to see that, uh, see the E-Trade deal close, which we're excited about in the fourth quarter. And then we're off to the races. So it, it'll come, Jim. It's just uh, one has to be more patient than we probably all want to be. Now, you uh, are experienced in know when there's big downturns in the industry, the first thing that the brokerage companies do is fire a lot of people. What's your plan for this downturn? 
Well, you know, I, I came out publicly a few weeks ago and said uh, we were not going to fire people uh, this year. Um, we, you know, we think our employees have done an amazing job. We have 90% of them working from home. Uh, they're under enormous personal, uh, you know, stress and with everything that's going on in the virus and uh, with the economy. So we thought it's just the right thing to do to tell them that for, for this year at least and hopefully for much longer, uh, there will be no rifts here. Uh, we're standing by our employees. And honestly, I just got off the shareholder call. I think that's a shareholder-friendly thing to do. You want to build organizations with great cultures, great loyalties, where people are proud to be associated with. And, and this was a no-brainer. It was unanimous vote of the operating committee. And, um, you know, obviously, we get to the end of the year. Hopefully, this thing has stabilized a little bit, uh, meaning the markets, the, the economic environment we're in. And, and we won't go into a, a rift. We're, we're going to be building this business. James, it's David. Um, you know, you mentioned, of course, the 08-09 period um, and that this is unlike anything uh, that we've really seen. So what do you do? I mean, it's so impossible to predict the future day to day, let alone six months from now. What are the key things you have to be focused on then at Morgan Stanley that you know are must do's, even though you don't really know what's coming? Yeah, it's a great question, David, and, and uh, good to catch up with you. Listen, the first thing is the plant has to work. Uh, our job, we're the number one equities, uh, equities house in the world. We're managing, you know, two and a half trillion of client assets in wealth management, arguably number one or two in the world. Uh, we've got a very uh, strong, respectful fixed income business with macro and credit trading all over the world, and obviously banking and asset management. The plant has to work. When clients put put trades in when clients are looking for Morgan Stanley's advice, it has to work. And, you know, if you'd told me three months ago we could have 90% of employees out of the office and be functioning with the volumes that we've had, and we had at 10 biggest days on record consecutive 10 biggest days, and I think they were each more than 50% bigger than our last biggest day, I would have said that's the probability of that being pulled off is close to zero. But it happened. So number one, focus on the plant, uh, ops and tech, which we're doing. Number two, Obviously, risk. You know, we're all over it. Every position, every client situation, uh, you know, on the retail side, the margin book has held up the mortgage book unbelievably well. Uh, you know, we're careful. We came into this conservative. Uh, third thing is you manage your liquidity, which we've done. Uh, we're, and, and we also went to the market in the last couple of weeks, uh, did some funding. And then, uh, you know, fourthly, just make sure the organization is talking to each other. We're, we're you know, in the, we're in the middle of a war now. And, you know, our operating committee has been doing daily calls. We're constantly on the phone with the board. Uh, we're very um, connected. And I think the beauty is almost all of this team were together in very different jobs and more junior roles, most of them, back in 08. So we've had 12 years of working together as an operating committee. And there's great, great communication between that team. James, I, I, again, to back to this point of we can't predict exactly what the numbers are going to look like or what the future will look like, but we could see a 30 percent down GDP number. You mentioned that in the call. Um, we could also see an economy that is slow to get back on its feet. Is that what you're planning for? You know, there are them, those who still believe that we're going to have a V. Are you expecting that as a possibility or are you more in the camp that it's going to be a U? Listen, we, 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 we all love to... We all love to wish and to hope. Um, I, you know, I wish, I hope for a V. Do I expect a V? No, I don't. I mean, you can't have this kind of dislocation 
and expect people to bounce uh, immediately. I mean, just I'm, I'm in New York City. It's, I know you guys are and and uh, or you're in the region here in New Jersey, New York. I mean, it's it shut down. This is not going to turn on a dime. We're not going to get to June 1 or whatever. And suddenly everybody's back in the subways and back on the buses. It's going to take time. So by definition, I think we've got, you know, a, a, to get consumers back, to get small businesses back, to get everybody feeling like the world is stable again, that's going to take months. That's not going to take days. So your best case is some sort of U recovery. And I think, you know, if, if I were a betting man, it's somewhere between a U and I guess an L. Um, I think, you know, it's through the end of next year, we're going to be working through this global recession. James, there, uh, an excellent piece put up by your firm today. And it's called Rising Dividend Risk, How Stocks React to a Cut. It's your uh, quantitative equity, which is so good. And this morning, the New York Times, as banks pay dividends, the Fed faces questions, which includes the Janet Yellen quote, which questions why banks should be able to pay dividends. When I read these two things, I think is one of the reasons why people worried about uh, all the banks, including Morgan Stanley, is it's just in the air that you may have to suspend, cancel your dividend, even if, particularly in your case, because of the way you run an asset like book, it would make no sense. Yeah, Jim, you know, it's, it's a, obviously this has been debated everywhere and sort of what's the right thing to do by society, what's the right thing to do by your shareholders, what's the right thing to do for stability of the system. Uh, we voluntarily, we in the, I'm talking about the large eight banks in this country under the uh, umbrella of the Financial Services Forum, we voluntarily shut down our buybacks. And we did that not because we had capital issues, we just thought it was the right thing to do to use our balance sheets and our capital basis to support clients in need during this period of time, that was 70% of capital distributions. Dividends are 30%. Our uh, quarterly dividend is 35 cents a quarter. We just hit, in a very, very, very difficult environment, a dollar. So we've done almost three quarters of dividends just in this quarter. So there is no capital argument as to why banks should shut down their dividends. There's no sort of... Is it the right thing to do, not the right thing to do? It's a, it's a balance here in terms of shareholders. We've got millions of shareholders across this country who own these large bank stocks. They depend upon that dividend for income. This is the piece that's being lost in the discussion. It doesn't make that much difference to the banks, but to the individual shareholders, that income coming in in this time when many people's income is completely dried up, I think that's essential. I don't understand the argument why... Why you would stop that income simply because you can. Yeah. <laughs> if you needed to because the banks were capital short, that'd be different. But they're not. They're it, not remotely close to it. It is incredible how people in the government seem to forget that there's no money for uh, if you're retired or you're elderly, fixed income. The only way you can get any is from uh, the from banks like yours. Now, uh, I want to talk about E-Trade because you know how excited I told you when this deal came through. I sense there's a whole new group of younger people, and they are interested in stocks. They saw what happened with Alphabet. They saw what happened with Tesla. They understood that if they bought Amazon, they'd do better than index fund. What is the book of business these younger people are doing, and why are you so drawn to having them? Well, listen, I, you know, I'll talk about E-Trade at, at a couple of different levels. Um, by the way, uh, they've held up unbelievably well during this crisis, Jim. Uh, their plant, which is where I started this call of what I focused on with, with David, their plant has held up great. They're a terrific, uh, talented management team, and we're really excited to have them, uh, have them join us in the fourth quarter. Uh, but listen, they've also got uh, one of the country's biggest stock plan businesses, and so do we. That combined business will have almost $600 billion in plans. People accumulate wealth 
you know, through their workplace uh, overwhelmingly. So this gives us access to that at a scale that we just, we weren't even barely in a couple of years ago before we bought Solium. Number two, uh, there is this huge demographic uh, of millennials and next generation that are obviously dealing uh, their financial services, whether it's through credit or payments uh, or for investments or research. They're doing it all digitally. And we need world-class digital capability. These guys bring us that. And thirdly, for our existing clients, and particularly in a time like now when everybody's dealing remotely, it's a huge positive to have uh, to our platform. E-Trade also has its own unique client segments. It has a heavy trading segment, uh, which we welcome. We have that segment, obviously, in our institutional business. So, you know, somebody asked me the other day how I felt about the deal now a couple of months on with this crisis. I feel more strongly about this deal than the day we did it. We bought it stock for stock. Uh, the company is a great company. It's performed under massive stress. And honestly, it augments our technology platform in a way that would take us years to do. Hey, James, I, I doubt you're going to tell us a lot about the phone call with the White House uh, yesterday, uh, but the reporting suggests that testing was a big topic. Is there any color on that that you can share? And do you envision scenarios in which large companies like your own uh, sort of bring testing, employee testing in-house as a way to manage the employees that are coming back into the office? Hey, Carl, uh, good, good to see you. Um, and thanks, you guys, for having us on, by the way. You know, I th testing, you know, I, I, I won't talk about it. It wasn't, it wasn't open to the media, uh, so it's not my job. But testing was clearly something that, that many of the CEOs are, are focused on. You know, it's interesting. I was uh, uh, traveling internationally a few weeks before uh, this whole crisis occurred. Uh, it was just starting up, and there were some companies that were doing temperature checks on people coming into the building back then. This was, you know, beginning of March. Um, so... Listen, I think, you know, the ideal is you'd do temperature checks. You'd have people who've been through the virus like I have who are, who are now, we believe, immune uh, coming back to work. Um, you'd have people get the antibody tests. Uh, whether you do it at the place of work doesn't feel to me like the right way to do it. It just, you know, I think this is something that should be done through the healthcare system. But I, I think at, over time, employees and visitors to buildings are going to want to know what the people sitting next to them have been through or not been through and what their state of health is. I think that's a reasonable expectation, and particularly for those who've got elderly parents or people with immune issues in their families at home, that's, that's a reasonable thing to expect. So, yes, testing both before, testing to make sure you've got it, and then testing to make sure you've got rid of it are clearly top priorities from my perspective. James, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm so glad that you're safe and doing well. That's James Gorbin, CEO of Morgan Stanley, with a good quarter in a very tough group. Great to talk to you. Jim, uh, Always I mean, good to hear from uh, you got to hand uh, it to Gorman yeah. in terms Don't of. You? In terms of CEO communicators, he's in the top echelon. A lot of candor there. Yeah, the, the fact that the easiest call to make is that he's not going to lay off people. The fact that uh, those of us who know him and he had the illness and he does it with, you know, if you can have illness with grace, that's what that man did. And, uh, I like the combination very much, but it is a very, good, a very big quandary that 
his, it's just a UGTF, and he's got to find a way to fight out of that ETF because his model is a less dangerous model. When you look at that, how much he made, basically in an annuity stream, and even more after e, once they merge with E-Trade, how could you be worried about that, that dividend? I hope he wouldn't be covered by any sort of sweeping banks have no dividend but, uh, policy, but I think he would be. I don't know how he gets out of that conundrum. I really don't. He's fintech. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, wealth management, you know, I did, uh, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I was happy to obviously have them. I didn't get to ask about wealth management, Jim, in terms of what they're seeing there amongst their client base, such an important component of their overall earnings. Uh, $4 billion was the revenue number, uh, $4.4 billion a year ago, pre-tax income $1.1 billion, again, for this last reported right. quarter, which in many ways is not part of the conversation any longer, given how uh, difficult it is to to uh, figure out the future. And Gorman admitted that. In fact, yeah. I thought yeah. saying he, he th- sees it either as a U or potentially an L recovery. The so L is the, is the big fright. And that's the Ray Dalio, unless it's now like an LLL, uh, Bill Ackman day. Bill Ackman, remember, March 23rd was that day. Take a look on the charts and you can yeah. see that was the L day. Uh, and I think a lot of people have come back to either a U or um, a fear of a W if we go back too soon. Um, I feel like that if I can't ever mention the word testing again, that's all people talk about. And the mortality rate, just so people know, there was one day in New York that spiked. But the mortality rates in general are higher than people thought even, say, six weeks ago. And I don't want to you know, extrapolate too much what happened yesterday in New York because it was wild high. But it is part of the equation. So when you hear Mr. Gorman come on and speak, and he sounds like he did before, I found it reassuring. Maybe it's a slim read, guys, but it's nice to see a guy back at work. Uh, Indeed, Uh, Jim. Highly transmissible uh, and and relatively uh, fatal for sure. Jim, what's on MAD tonight? You know, one of the greatest insurance companies in the world is Chubb, and they they spoke with the president yesterday. Evan was on the call, so let's, he's not, obviously, it's a secret call, but let's find out what they're thinking, maybe. And then, uh, Mike, this Agilent is a testing, oh, I said I wouldn't mention testing again, testing company, um, because testing is the solution, as everybody knows, and I think that we're not as far away as people think. The vaccine, sadly, I think we are still far away. I'm working on it, though. All right, Jim, we'll see you tonight. Okay, thank you, guys. Uh, 6 p.m., Mad Money. Thanks, as always, Jim. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager.